What's up, everybody? It's Coach Dave, and I left. And Laura, and I left, and welcome to the She Lifts. She Lifts podcast. And tonight, we are talking about the BS. That's right, the BS, the bro science. We are, have eight uh, fitness, we're going to not call them myths, because some of them actually are true, but fitness, uh, pieces of fitness advice that you're going to get uh, throughout your fitness journey. And we're going to rate them um, on a scale of one being total bro science and five being it lifts. Um, now, what couple of the criteria for some of these things. First of all, these are things that you are going to hear. First of all, they are going to sound, most of them, logical. So it's very easy to get caught up in bro science. And I think that is one thing about, and I'm not picking on the bros, bro. Um, but there is one thing about some sort of fitness, as we call it, bro science. Um, and that is bro science, meaning the, the guys in the gym with the tank tops and the, and the pump covers and all of that stuff that, that, that some people do find intimidating. They will give fitness advice. And again, a lot of it sounds logical. A lot of it sounds like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds true. And this guy's usually, got, usually it's coming from someone who has a pretty decent physique or looks very in shape. So it's very easy to follow. You may also find some of these from certain uh, fitness um, programs and uh, quote unquote influencers out there. Uh, but I think a lot of it is, a lot of it, some of this has been debunked and some of the things that we are going to talk about are actually very true, very true. Now, one other thing I want to throw out there is none of this stuff that we're really going to talk about tonight, um, is going to hurt you. If you do find this, that this actually works for you, more power to you. There's also a thing called the placebo effect, and I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that, but that is when they test medicines or um, supplements or things like that, they'll give two groups. They'll give one the actual supplement and the other one sort of a, um, they call it a placebo. Usually it's a form of a sugar pill or a, a starch pill that doesn't have really any sort of merit to it at all. Everyone thinks they're getting medicine. So the placebo effect, if you can sometimes actually cause the person who's getting what they perceive to be the medicine to improve in some way, shape, or form. And a lot of times you'll see this, especially in children. Um, I'm sure Laura with her psychology minor knows about this one. If you give a, a, a child a, a magic hat or magic glasses and tell them that they're invisible or give them magic power, suddenly they, you, you'll find that they can do things that they were too shy or too scared to do before. So that's the criteria for what we're going to talk about tonight, and we are going to get into it. One of the things I'm sure you've heard about before and I'm not going to name names, but there's a very popular fitness uh, program out there that talks a lot about the three body types. That's right, the three body types, those being an ectomorph, a mesomorph, and an endomorph. Basically, what this is, is are you tall tall and skinny, or are you short and fat, or are you somewhere in the middle? Okay. Guys, the three body types also has to do with the way you process carbs, the way you train and the way you basically you you respond to certain stimuluses. <clears throat> this for me, this is total bro science. Uh, this is a one. This is the most bro bro sciencey bro science that has ever been scienced by some bro who was sciencing. The reason that seems to be true though is because a lot of times when you are built a certain way, if you are tall. 
and have long limbs and a long torso, certain movements can be more challenging. For example, a deadlift, and I know Laura loves her deadlifts, a deadlift can be a lot more challenging for someone who is six foot four than myself who is five eight or Laura who's about five five? Six. Five six. Okay. So we are lower to the ground. We don't have as far down to get. If you're six foot four, you have a long way to go. As a matter of fact, they actually make special plates for tall people to deadlift. But that doesn't mean you should shy away from certain exercises. That doesn't mean you should shy away from nutrition proto certain nutrition protocols. And it doesn't mean that just because you are a, a, a certain built a certain way that you should be training any different than person who's shorter. Most of the time, the difference in training for the different body type has to do with the 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 sport or the activity that they are most engaged in. And a lot of times we tend to be gravitate towards the activities that we are good at. So if you are tall and slender, probably going to gravitate more towards something like basketball or uh, certain positions in football. If you were on the shorter end like myself, you're probably going to gravitate more towards something like powerlifting or jujitsu. Um, Laura, that's just, it's one of those things, and I, I feel like sometimes when I hear that thing, it just, it makes me want to, like, oh, my God, really? Yeah, luckily, I actually haven't, I kind of actually forgot that that existed, because I luckily <laughs> have not heard that in a while, which is shocking, Um, now that, like, I think about it. But, yeah, for me, this is also a one. Um, I think that, like Dave said, genetics do play a role. So, like, if we're talking about lifting specifically, um, if you're taller, your muscles, your muscle fibers are longer. Your muscles themselves are longer. So the longer a muscle is, it is going to be a little harder to add some shape to that. Like if you're a little shorter, it is going to be a little easier because your muscles aren't quite as long. Um, but I think sometimes we do like I see a lot of that on TikTok, like girls that are tall will post like, oh, my gosh, I wish I was short because then it'd be easier to glow, grow my glutes or grow my hamstrings or whatever. And I think sometimes we do use it as a little bit of an excuse. Um, so nutrition will play a bigger factor if you're taller. It is going to be a little harder for you to build muscle. So you may need to be in a little bit more of a surplus than somebody who is shorter. So there is some like, yeah, it is going to be harder, but that's not to say that you can't do it. You just have to work a little bit harder. And like Dave said, if you are a certain body type, if you're tall and skinny, you might run. And that's why you see a lot of runners that are tall and skinny. Um, people who are power lifters, like I have a lot of clients that are not powerlifters, CrossFit. I have a lot of clients that are like, well, I don't want to, I don't, I kind of like, like these movements, but I don't want to be like blocky. So your genetics do like play a role in what you're going to be good at. And those CrossFitters usually tend to be good at genetics or not. What the heck? Those CrossFitters tend to be good at CrossFit because of their genetics. Um, but that's not to say that every single person that is maybe a little more blocky than usual has to do CrossFit or somebody who has an hourglass shape can't do CrossFit. So I think we see these body types and we think we have to limit ourselves, but we don't. So don't let anybody tell you you can or can't do something. It just might be a little more difficult for you than it is for somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, fitness myth or bro science number two the squat is the most calorie burning muscle building and overall best exercise you can do 
Now, this is one of those things that is going to sound almost a little bro sciencey, but this is actually, uh, I think at this point, pretty much a, a, a fitness fact. This is a five from you. This shit totally lifts. Um, the squat engages the most muscles in the body. And when we talk about a squat, guys, we really are talking mostly about a barbell back squat, but really any type of squat will play the role, uh, do the same thing for the beginner fitness levels because not like we've talked about before we're not going to put everybody under our bar when I, on on day one um but the barbell back squat and various forms of squats as well it does engage the most muscles it does release the most testosterone and the most muscle building uh i'm um, sorry uh muscle building uh hormones and growth factors it also challenges the nervous system and it also I think more so than the deadlift. Sorry, Lara. Um, it has a a, um, a mental component that is a little more, little simpler to follow along with than it is for a deadlift or even a bench press. For those reasons, I think this is the best exercise that you could do. As a matter of fact, one of my fitness uh, um, one of my fitness influences, a guy you may have heard of by the name of John Cena, a professional wrestler turned actor, has actually stated that in every workout, he does some squats. Not always the heaviest set that he's ever done, not always a, a set to failure, but it does at least one set of squats in every workout he does. And again, if you know who that is at all, which I'm sure most of you do, he, uh, he's someone I would tend to listen to when it comes to lifting weight. Yeah, this one is also five uh, for me. I feel like it works, like as a mobility standpoint, um, you need a lot more mobility for a squat than you do for a deadlift. So like they said, it works more muscles, but it also tests your mobility because you need shoulder mobility to get that bar back there. And anybody who like has shoulder pain or shoulder restrictions, like, you know, we want to be pretty close with our bar, but as our shoulders are not the greatest, our width, our uh, grip gets wider and wider. Um, so we need shoulder mobility. We need ankle mobility. And honestly, those two things, like I always like when I focus on mobility, I like to work like the shoulders from the top and the ankles from the bottom. And then we kind of work down less important, still very important, but less important in the middle there. Um, so I love squats for strength and mobility. I also like it because it loads the spine. A little differently deadlifts also load the spine but i do like to have that barbell on your back and if you can't barbell squat there are different ways you can load your spine um, without barbell squatting um, and i do like to load the spine because as we talked about in our last episode we want to try to use resistance training to fight osteoporosis and yes when we're doing other exercises we are loading the spine but i do like a little bit of that compression on those vertebrae just to kind of help them push back and send more bone building signals um, so that our spine also gets a little bit of preventative, a little more preventative from osteoporosis um, with that barbell on the back. All right, number three, too much protein causes you to be, <clears throat> insert adjective here, bulky, gain weight, gassy, um, also can cause damage to your kidneys, blah, 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 blah. So I am going to give this one a two. Um, this is mostly bro science, although I will say, um, I have a hard time listening in as bro science, as bro science. 
that's because most most uh, quote unquote gym bros are going to tell you to eat more protein. Um, but it is a, it is a thing out there, and one of the things I don't like about it is eating too much of anything will make you gain weight. Okay, eating too many carbs will make you gain weight. Eating too much fat will gain will make you gain weight. Drinking too much alcohol will make you gain weight. Not sleeping enough will make you gain weight. Protein is the building block of our muscles. And if we are trying to build muscle and trying to get lean and trying to lose weight, protein is going to be the answer. The other thing that protein has, protein has the highest TEF. What is TEF? Thermogenic effect of food. That means it burning, breaking down protein in your stomach burns more calories than breaking down any other uh, macronutrient. Stop looking for excuses to not eat right. Get your protein intake. That Look, Laura and I don't always go about things the same way, and we've talked about that before, but the one thing that, that I think we both are big on is making sure you hit your protein goal. No matter whether you're trying to gain weight or lose weight, your protein is the most important macronutrient that you can put in your body. And the idea that it causes kidney kidney dysfunction of some kind. Now, the one the other reason I didn't give this a one is that the one little sort of caveat to this of eating too much. If you are someone who is getting your protein from very fatty sources of meat, i.e., you're eating ribeyes a lot, you're eating um uh, fattier cuts of chicken or pork a lot. You can carry a, bring up a lot of saturated fat with that. So that is something you have to watch. You want to keep at least three quarters of your of your pro of your animal source protein on the more lean side. That is not an exact number, by the way. That is a little bit of bro science slash anecdotal advice, but. The leaner you can keep your protein, the better off it's going to be in the end. Um, this one's a three for me. I should have prefaced this from the beginning. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I am, I am a little bit of a gym bro, um, or broette, or whatever <laughs> we're gonna call the female version of this. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I love. I do love a nice little pump cover. Like I go pretty, I I take my selfies. Like so, I'm I'm a little bit of a gym bro, and I'm not gonna lie. Um, so some things that I do like about bro science, um, is that it does give you a little bit of a behavioral aspect too. So like the science isn't there, like the science is not backed up. Like the drinking a gallon of water thing that I say, like you don't actually scientifically need to drink a gallon of water, but it does cause behavioral changes. Um, so I'm I'm a little bit of a bro. Um, but this for me is a three and stuff like this, whenever I hear like any question that's like, ver like the verbiage is anything like this, like I need more information. Um, so if you're asking me like, am I eating too, is the reason that I'm gaining weight because I'm eating too, too much protein? I'm not going to say yes or no. I need to know like how many grams of protein are you eating? What's your, like, what is your body weight? How's your protein relative to your body weight? What does your other nutrition look like? What does your exercise look like? Where are you getting your protein from? So is your protein only from shakes, bars, processed foods? Like there's like protein cereal now, like is your protein only from processed sources or is your protein coming from whole foods a little bit? Um, so 
I kind of need to know where you're coming from. Like, where are your calories at during the day? Where, how much calories do you like expend during the day? Um, also too, I do have some of my clients. Well, not some, one, one of my clients, every time I try to increase her protein, she'll, she's a little bit, she's not, uh, she's like in her fifties. So she's a little older. So like she's been pushed like some toxic diet culture. Um, so she'll kind of push back a little bit and she'll be like, well, isn't eating too much protein bad for my kidneys? Like, aren't I going to go into kidney failure? You would have to be eating like in the ratio of your body weight, you would have to be eating like at least one and a quarter times, if not like one and a half, even one and a quarter seems a little low. Like you'd have to be eating like one and a half, two times your body weight in protein and grams of protein to even be getting to the point where your kidneys are going to have a hard time like processing all of that protein. So as long as you're a healthy person, you're not stuffing yourself you feel like you have balanced nutrition coming from whole food sources. Um, protein's not going to be bad for you, and it's most likely not the reason why you're gaining weight. But again, I do need to see everything that you're bringing to the table. Exactly, exactly. And I think that a lot of these, a lot of some of these things, I think, especially as we get further along this, we're going to we're going to go with with that. I need more information, and and a lot of this stuff, when you say it as a blanket statement. It's like, well, which brings us to the next one. Cardio keeps you fat because it doesn't burn fat, doesn't. Uh, and there's a bunch of different ways to say this. <clears throat> Basically, the idea is that cardio will not make you lean. <clears throat> Folks, this one for me, let's start off, is, is, is a three. First of all, the heart is the most important muscle in your body. Without your heart, none of your biceps, your pecs, your quads, your glutes, or any other muscle in your body makes a difference if your heart is not functioning properly. That being said, cardio burns calories. The formula for fat loss is to burn off more calories than you take in. And keep your protein high. So if you are hitting your protein goal and doing cardio in a way to, and still, and doing cardio, you will lose weight. And keeping your car calories, on, you know, staying in a slight calorie deficit. Now, that being said, the more in, the longer term solution is going to be strength training. If you are relying strictly on a calorie deficit and cardio, to make you lose weight, yes, you will lose weight if you are burning off more calories, but you are not going, all you're going to do is make yourself a smaller person with a high body fat level. If you are trying to get healthy, and again, I'm not sure if we've ever mentioned this on this show before, but we are here, not here to get lean and be bodybuilders and athletes. We are here to improve our health. And to lower our body fat percentage, at some point we need to strength train, but that doesn't mean we should skip cardio every day. It will burn calories, it will increase your calorie output, and it will benefit you in the long run. It will also, most forms of cardio involve some sort of, like Laura said, mobility, whether it's walking, whether it's the elliptical, whether it's swimming, whether it's hiking. Again, cardio will not 
burn fat in and of itself, but it will help. So this one for me gets a three. This one, I was going to go a three, but now that I'm sitting here, I don't quite want to say four. Um, so I'm going to go three and a half <laughs> because I can't decide. <laughs> I'm indecisive. Uh, so again, I'm going to need some more information. Um, are you only doing cardio? Um, if cardio is your only form of exercise and you are like a chronic. So this happens to me with my clients a lot in my, I would say my clients who are like in their 50s, uh, like 50s, early 60s, um, and specifically women. Um, so there'll be like chronic cardio doers that are like super low calorie. Um, and you're like walking. They're usually like the power walkers, the joggers. Um, they're doing they're, like they're the epitome of like, if you want to lose weight, you have to burn more and eat less. So they follow that like to a T. And the problem with that is there's no resistance training to complement that. So if cardio is your only form of exercise and you're low calorie, then yeah, I do think cardio is not going to help you burn body fat or lose weight because our metabolism does adapt. And the first thing our body wants to pare down when we're only doing cardio and we're low calorie is our muscle because it's, it's expensive for our body to hold on to muscle. So if you're only doing cardio as your only form of exercise and you want to lose weight, um, you're, you're going to lose weight for a little bit. Like you are definitely going to see some progress, but you're eventually going to get to the point where you're not going to see any more progress and you're going to feel stuck because you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm only eating 1200 calories. I don't want to go any lower, but I'm still not losing weight. When we are complementing it with resistance training, so like resistance training is your main form of exercise and we're using cardio to complement it, then yes, cardio is perfectly fine. It is going to help you get a little bit leaner, push you to those goals a little bit more. Um, I personally, for myself and just from talking to my clients, I would rather lose my body fat. I, I hate, I do not enjoy cardio. I'm not going to say I hate it because I'm a trainer, so I'm supposed to tell you to do cardio. I don't like doing cardio and I go for walks. That's about it. But I don't really consider that cardio because I like to get my steps in and that's what I do that for. Um, I will get myself leaner by modifying my nutrition first. If I have like a like a the beach or something that I want to get really lean, then I'm going to add in my cardio. But just as a personal preference, like I will get as lean as I can by modifying my nutrition before I add in my own cardio. So Mine kind of, de mine depends again. And again, the advice I use for myself is sometimes a little different than how I train my clients. So if my clients, if you're listening to me and they're like, oh, she is making me do cardio and she's going to sit here and tell me that she doesn't do cardio on her own. You got to do what I say and not as I do sometimes. It, it happens. I mean, I can't make my, my, every one of my clients train the way I train. So it happens. It, but it's okay. That's that's why that's why different workouts exist for different people. What, what yeah, we, I usually tell them like, I usually say like, it's fine. I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did we say? I mean, and again, this, this all goes back to we want more information. But what 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 was one of the very first things we've ever said on on this thing? One of the very points we made. What is the best workout? And it is the one that you're going to do. And if you again. I hate to run. Yeah, I do it when I when I'm trying to get in in competition ready. But God, I hate it. And when I don't have to, I don't. I, I'm not gonna lie. Um, here's another. This is another one, and I'm gonna 
that we're going to talk about, this is more of a mindset than it is an actual thing. And the, the mindset is everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. <clears throat> this So I really, really wanted to give this one a one. I really did. However, I'm going to call this one a two because I do feel this is a little bit of a, a right church, wrong cue kind of thing. Um, the mentality behind that statement is that we always have, we can always find the time. When it comes to fitness, that is true. We have to set fitness as a priority. However, it is never fitness. While it should be in your top few priorities, Laura and I have talked about this. We both have children. We both have uh, families. I have a, a, a elderly father that I need to, that I help take care of. Those things are also priority. And a lot of times we you have jobs and careers. A lot of times those things do outrank our fitness. Now the problem is once we get past those sort of certain things, the rest of it needs to be pushed back, and we over prioritize things like. Like watching TV, we overprioritize uh, hanging out with our friends. We overprioritize um, our side hustles. We overprioritize things that, quite frankly, if we don't take care of ourselves, we won't be able to do them. In in that, now, that doesn't mean you can say, "Oh, well, I just don't have the time." There is time. You just have to sort of prioritize the time. And one of the things that I will give, I'm going to give a little tip in here. Try to find th things that you can do while you're doing it. For example, if you say, I want to, um, you know, I, I'm studying for something. When I'm studying for, uh, 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 we, we have continuing education things that we need to do. When I'm studying for them, a lot of times when I'm doing my cardio or lifting weights, I will listen to the study guide while I'm doing that so I don't have to sit there and do it while I, you know, make it certain to just do that. Now I can sort of kill two birds with one stone. Um, going back a few years when I was taking my, my CPT exam, I used to take practice quizzes while I was, right, do, I modified my cardio from running to biking. And while I was on the bike, I would sit there and take practice quizzes on my iPad or on my phone. Make make the time true, but not everyone has the same amount of time to make. Um, I know I like to say how one of my recommendations is 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 three hours or one hour a day, three times a week. Really, I should probably change that, and I've been actually working on this is to change it to a, a total of 180 minutes spread out throughout the week. And however you get those those minutes in, get them in. But don't tell somebody, don't tell a single mother who has a kid who's working two jobs that there's always time for her her fitness. Guess what? There isn't always time for fitness. Yes, you have to make the time. Yes, you have to make the priority. But you also have to be real sometimes. Yeah. Um. This one for me, I'm going to give it a one. I was going to use the, the mom example. So I'm glad you brought that up. I feel like this oh, one right. gets... Oh no no no! Like I'm like that's where that's where I see it. Um, like I see a lot of um, this. Is gonna, the way that I'm about to word this is gonna make me sound so old. But when you see like the Instagrams of tweets, 
And it's always like other trainers saying about how like they'll see like young new trainers like telling moms like, oh, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. So you have to make it like for some reason that gets pushed a lot to moms, which is weird. Um, so I'm glad that you also like brought that up too, because that's like confirming my suspicion. Um, but as a mom, um, I can tell you for a fact, like I don't have the same 24 hours as my husband and we're like in the same family, like we are a partnership. So it is not easier for either one of us to get a workout in because again, we are a partnership, but it is, it's different. Everybody's 24 hours are different. And I personally have not found that. And I think this verbiage is a little bit like guilt, guilting people into working out like, oh, you have to work out because I make time to work out. So that means you should be able to make time to work out. And I don't find that guilting people into working out is successful. Like you need to be able to do this because you want to, not because you saw a tweet that said, oh, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. So like get off your couch and go to the gym or like don't spend time like you watch you binge three hours of Netflix a day so one of your hours of Netflix should be spent working out like do I necessarily like I personally agree with that but I'm not gonna word it that way like I think you could be bettering yourself and your mental health if you took one of those hours and put that into working out but just the way that it's worded I think is the issue with this statement um because you got to do it because you want to not because you're feeling guilty. And if you do start your fitness journey feeling guilty, it's just a bad relationship with fitness and you're never going to be successful just because you started out with not a great relationship with yourself and fitness. So I personally hate this sentence. <laughs> the, like I said, the only reason I gave it a two is because I, I do understand the, the the mindset but i just think it's, it's worded wrong a lot of times yeah you really have to, when you when you say that you really have to look at the person that you are that you're saying that to um and yeah we come back to moms but and again no disrespect to anyone else out there um but moms do you know single moms uh even working moms, even like laura said she's ma she's married she's not a single mom but she's Guys, kids always gravitate towards their moms. I, I especially at a younger at a younger age. It's it's just it is what it is. So Yeah. Yeah, no. I just wanna say I forgot to say I do not disagree with you. Like I'm not not yeah. saying that you're wrong. I completely agree that people do use that as an excuse. Oh absolutely hundred percent. And and let me tell you what, I we go back to us. I worked in a gym. There are, and they're not often, but there are dates where I struggle. I look at my schedule and go, hey, how am I going to get my workout in today? Because I have clients, and then I have a meeting, and then I have more clients. And then, you know, one client wants to come early, or my clients are spread out where I don't really have a long block of time in between clients. And let me just I'm sort of look, and, like, and, and there for a while, I was working in multiple locations. And it was just, it. so yeah, even for, for someone like me, I can see where that can become an issue you just got you got to, to, to make a priority um so that moves us on to our next one now this one this one is going to go back into sort of something that you are going to hear from the gym bros and broettes we're gonna go with <laughs> on that one i think um and that is if you're not sore you did not get a good workout this is a big old fat one for me um the the only reason this wouldn't be the the, the 
the the the number one one is because we talked about the three body types today. Um, guys, you can get a a a killer workout. You can get a killer muscle pump. You can get a absolute uh total body last ever workout a walk out not sore. Um, now. There are a couple caveats to that, and I, I, I but I'm still going to stick with my, my one on this one. Um, if you are doing the same workout over and over and not changing the resistance curve, not changing your weight, not changing your tempo, not changing anything, then yes, that is, it is where if you're not progressively overloading something in your workout, yes, being not sore, not being sore is a, is a, is a, t- a tale that you are not pushing yourself hard enough. However, most of the time, I'll be honest with you, most of the time, even when I do up my weight or change something in my workout, I don't get as sore as I once did, even though I do get sore. The other part of that is, even if you are getting sore, your body sort of becomes used to being sore and doesn't re- doesn't register the soreness the same way it did on day one that it, day, that it registers on day 1,000. You know, if you are consistent in your training, consistently um, overloading, your body just sort of becomes used to it. Unless you really go like super crazy one day with with your overload, either in weight or in, in tension or something, unless you really go super crazy, you're going to have periods where you're not sore. And there are certain workouts that are not going to make you as sore as other workouts. So I don't think soreness is a very good um, is a very good indicator of how good your workout is at all. No, I am with you. One, one for me. I um, this kind of goes back to the the bro in me a little bit. I do like I like I'm sore right now. Like I destroyed my glutes the other day, and I know that this is not accurate, but I do kind of like it a little bit. But I am not so sore that it impacts my daily life. Um, So I always tell my clients this. I always laugh a little bit. Like, I don't want you to get so sore that you have to end up doing, like, the trust fall to the toilet. Like, if you ever done a leg day and you pushed a little too hard, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you sit down to go to the bathroom and you get to a certain point and you have to just kind of, like, fall down, too sore. I like to train my clients in a way I want you to do the least amount of work to get to your results. So like if we're like, I always visualize this, this is your results. I want you to work as little as possible to get to that result. And once we get to the point where we're crossing that threshold, not only are we like doing too much work to get there, like we could have probably did less and got to the same result, but you are now starting to impact your daily life. So you're going to have a harder time getting up out of your chair. So what does that mean? Your legs are sore. You're not going to go get up and refill your water bottle. You're not going to go, you're going to hold your pee a little longer than you normally would. And because you don't want to have to go to the bathroom, you're not going to fill up your water bottle again because you're not like hydrating. Um, And it sounds stupid, but I know people do this. Like I'm not getting up until I absolutely have to because my legs are sore and I don't want to experience them. Um, And also if you are a beginner um, and you get that soreness, like when you first start working out, again, you need to be doing the least amount of work to accomplish a stimulus to your muscles. When you first start working out, if you go follow some random workout that you found online, 
you're going to be ridiculously sore. And you're, and sometimes I experience my clients, I'll tell them like, I want you to stop doing this. And some of my like once a month that I just program their workout, they'll kind of push, they learn their lesson after the first time, but they'll push it a little hard. And they'll be like, I was so sore. I couldn't finish my workouts for the rest of the week. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I only wanted you to do what I had to do. So you pushing past that, you did too much. That's why I didn't put that in your program. Um, but we do too much. We're so sore. We can't get our workouts in the next week. Then when we go back to our workouts after a week off, we're probably going to get not quite as sore, but a little less sore. It might still be unbearable because it's too much. And then we might even progress another week or we might even regress another week again. And when you're a beginner, consistency is key. So anything that disrupts your ability to be consistent is a big fat zero for me. So honestly, if you get sore, too sore. No, thank you. Lifting heavy makes you bulky. Lifting high reps makes you lean. <clears throat> I think we've talked about this on a number of occasions. Um, and this is actually a perfect example. How, so this, I am going to give this one a three. And the only reason I'm going to give this a three and not a two is because when it comes to lifting heavy versus lifting high rep, there are behaviors that sort of go along with that, with with one or the other, that sort of do lend itself to adding some monicum of truth to that. However, if you are doing a 15, 20 rep bench press, and you are doing reps that are taking five, six seconds because you're controlling your negatives and your and your uh, concentric movement and holding it and doing pauses in the middle, you can grow and get big and bulky through by using a lighter weight in a higher rep range. However, most people when they tend to lift in a high rep range, myself included, we. And again, it's not necessarily wrong. I'm not saying anyone's doing anything wrong, but we tend to move the rate faster, um, either because we don't know what we're doing or or because we are training in that way. We move the weight faster. We move the rate longer. We also tend to shorten our rest because our, our muscles are more burnt than they are completely fatigued. When we lift, when I lift heavy, and Laura, Laura's a big heavy lifter, so I'm sure she can attest to this. I do a three to five uh, rep bench press or squat or deadlift. I'm going to generally rest longer than if I do a 15 or 20 rep bench press or squat. Or I don't really ever do a deadlift for 15 or 20 reps. But um, that would be awful. Um, there's a lot to think about. Just thinking about all the things that I'd have to like keep in my head the entire time that I'm doing that. Ugh. Um, but the, where I, I'll do a 15 or 20 rep bench press and then I may only rest for 30 to 45 seconds before I'm right back doing the next set. Where if I'm doing a three to five, uh, set, I'm probably going to rest for a minute and a half, sometimes two minutes, depending on how heavy I'm going and, and what I'm going for that day, that particular day. So I don't think it's necessarily the, the activity that does it. I think it's more of the behavior that goes, it's the way you do it. And we tend to do one in certain ways. 
Yeah, I I originally when we first uh, talked about this episode, I was gonna give this one a two, but I'm gonna change it to a three because this is another depends for me. Again, Dave said it depends, like it depends how you're using this one. So I I think this also depends on how advanced you are. Um, so like they said, when you do 15 reps, you have a tendency to rest less, but you don't have to rest less. You can do 15 reps and do like a two to one and a half, two minute rest and push those 15 reps for strength. So like you can get strong in your high rep, you're working on your muscle endurance. Maybe that's going to get you out of a plateau. If you're plateaued in a lift and you want to get to that next level, I would push as high as like the amount of weight you can do for high reps. I would focus on that for a while and try to push you out of that plateau instead of always focusing on like singles, doubles, five by fives, whatever. Um, So you can lift heavy for strength. You can also lift low rep for like not cardio, but you can lift low rep for a little bit more of the burn. So if you're doing low reps, you don't have to rest for a long time. You can do heavyweight low rep and take short rests. Again, that might get you out of a little bit of a plateau. Um, it also depends on your nutrition. So if you're three, if you're doing like your three sets of 15 and you're in a surplus, you're probably going to build a little bit more muscle. If you're doing three sets of 15 in a deficit, you're going to lose a little bit of body fat. Same thing with your, if you're doing a five by five in a deficit, you're probably going to lose body fat because you're not built. You're not sending as strong of well you're still sending a muscle building signal but you're not reinforcing that with that higher calorie you're not re uh you're not reinforcing that like gain with those extra calories so this one for me depends on how you're using those 15 or low reps and how your nutrition is complementing uh your training absolutely absolutely um so moving on the anabolic window the anabolic window. So what is the anabolic window? The anabolic window is usually about 30 minutes after you're done working out. And it is the period of time in which your body is most susceptible, most susceptible to absorbing nutrients that of that promote growth. So this was something that really came about when I first started learning how to lift weights back in the 90s. Um and everyone was running out and gr- grabbing protein shakes right after they worked out. And gyms started right about the time that gyms started really like selling protein shakes and stuff and coolers. Um, what I'm going to give this one a three. I think there is enough science to support that this is very well maybe a thing. I also think this falls into that placebo effect thing that we talked about at the very beginning of the show that we don't that if we focus on it we will sort of manifest it but i think there's enough research to suggest that this may be a thing now part of the thing is you have to make sure you're getting yourself the right nutrients after your workout and it's not just protein um, I think there has to be some carbs specifically in the, in the form of fast digesting carbs and uh, simple sugars actually can go a long way. Um, but I feel like that's another episode that I don't want to get too, too, too uh, detailed in. But I definitely would say this one's a three. Now, I also will. The reason I'm giving it a three and not a, a two or a four is, like I said, I do believe there's enough science in this that can actually is kind of thing. But I also feel like there's not enough where this is like. 
this is like a oh my god you must do this if you're trying to 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 gain muscle they, they, it's not not life or death kind of thing yeah this one for me i think is a two um this one kind of depends on your lifestyle um so if you can and it also depends on like what time of day you work out so i um before i started like working out a little bit more at home uh, when my son was younger, it was just difficult to get a workout in with him. So I would work out at like 930 in the morning. Like that is a little too close to lunch. Like I'm not going to go home and eat a meal because it'll be like, I don't know, 1030. Um, I eat lunch soon. But if I eat a snack, I'm not going to be hungry for my lunch. So like it depends on what time of the day you work out for me, because I would personally rather just wait a little bit. If I'm not hungry, I'm not going to eat. I don't want you to like be like, oh, well, I just finished my workout. I'm not hungry, but the anabolic window says I got to go eat a meal because then you might be getting out of, you might be throwing off your macros. You're kind of messing up your like habits. Um, you may be going too far in a surplus. So it depends what time of the day you're working out. It depends if you're hungry. Um, I don't necessarily think you need to like live and die like if it's like 30 minutes on the dot and you're like oh shit i missed the anabolic window like you're okay um as long as you're getting in your macros for the day and you're and if you're just like a regular person you will be fine the only time i would care about the anabolic window is if you have a very specific goal and sometimes you will even if you're a regular person like we say we're not bodybuilders but sometimes you have times where you want to be a little bit leaner then i would bring that into play a little bit more but for like almost all of my clients almost all of the time when they're leaving their sessions i'm not like oh go make sure you uh go make sure you eat something within 30 minutes i'm just kind of like oh bye make sure you eat your protein um when you eat but I did used to, like, I used to keep a shake in my car. So if you do find that you're getting hungry towards the end of the, uh, at the end of your workout, keep some protein powder in your car. When you leave the gym, fill up your water bottle, put your protein powder in it, drink it when you're on the way home. Because then at least you're getting something. You're fueling yourself. You are at increasing your protein intake. But if you're not hungry, I personally wouldn't have you force it. I know some people do, but that's just my opinion. I, I agree with the not forcing it. Um, I absolutely want to. I, I agree. When it comes to any type of nutrition, I agree with the not forcing it. And I feel like that that is something else we should we we probably haven't talked about enough. Um, but and we'll save that for another topic. But I, I have actually conditioned myself that as soon as I put my last weight down and walk into my office, I'm like I'm starving. Um, <laughs> dude, I really do. Um, all right. So, so our final piece of uh, uh, of fitness lore that we are going to rate here is something this came about I feel like came about for a hot minute a, about a year ago year and a half ago was the first time I started hearing it it's kind of went away and then suddenly it's, it's been making a, a big comeback and that is RPE RPE what is RPE RPE is rate of perceived effort or either perceived effort or perceived um exertion Exertion. That was the other word that I've, I've heard in assertion and used for it. The problem with RPE, it's, it's pretty much right in the t in the in the name, perceived. So basically, it's how you perceive the effort that you are putting. On. Basically, one being like you're if you're like you use a bench press, weight, One being you're not moving any weight at all. Ten being you're you're grinding out the toughest one rep max that you've ever done. 
So the RPE is all about perception. It's all up in your head. My problem with that is there is no accurate way to measure RPE, and RPE can actually change from day to day. On a day where you're tired, you didn't sleep well, you're not hydrated enough, you're a little stressed out, and you really don't feel like working out today, the weight that's normally at an RPE 6, let's say, would might feel like an RPE 10. My And that's in where the problem with RPE lies to me, is that there is no accurate way to measure it, and it is all on you. My personal, when it comes to that, is to measure the amount of reps that you can finish in a certain window, uh, whether it be 1 to 3, 3 to 5, 5 to 8, 8 to 10, 10 to 12, whatever that is, and say, all right, this is my max, this is how I'm feeling today, this is where I want to be able to reach at least close to failure in that in that range, rather than relying on, oh, this is an RPE 6, or this is an RPE 7. This is a total one for me, but I'm going to say it might even be like a one and a half because I think it is, is somebody's trying to come up with something, but not quite there yet. I'm going to be a little controversial. This one is a four for me, which is probably my highest number that I think I gave any of these today. And you're probably like, what the heck? How did Dave get that a one? And Laura's going to give it a four. Um, So I look at RPE and I don't, I don't communicate this to my clients. So if they're hearing me talk, they're probably like, why the hell doesn't you do this for me? But I do, you just don't know it. Um, I look at your RPE for each day, each lift, each set. So if I say, say like deadlifts, if I look at my deadlift, my, like what I was grinding to hit my max deadlift, I'm not gonna say what it is because it doesn't matter. Um, what, however I rate that, if I go lift that another day, like Dave said, it might be feeling a little heavy. So I'm going to adjust my number for that day. What I care about for your RPE is your form. So I want you completing and getting as close to like not, well, I'm going to call it failure, but I don't mean I want you to lift to failure in like the stereotypical lifting to failure. I want you to lift to form failure. So you should be doing all of your reps with perfect form, but I want them to be pretty stinking difficult. Like by the 10th rep, it should be pretty hard, but your form should be perfect. As the second your form starts to break down, that's what I'm considering failure. So you need to take into account your failure. So again, every day you might like, if I go, if I went out there and tried to deadlift and I like warm myself up and whatever, and I try to deadlift my PR deadlift, I might not get it because I, my form might break down. I might be able to lift it, but my form might not be what it needs to be. And if your form is not perfect, then you're increasing your risk of injury. So, and you do kind of need to lift to failure. You need to test those boundaries. You need to see what your failure is so that you can rein yourself in. Like I want you two reps short, two, three reps short of failure, form failure, every time you're working out. So we're not lifting to form failure every single time we're lifting. But you, I do think you need to know where that is so that you have an idea. And again, maybe that maybe that one day you didn't get enough sleep. We're going to adjust that RPE because you know you didn't get enough sleep. Um, so you're not going to be lifting 
three reps short of form failure because you didn't get enough sleep. So maybe that day you're going to go five or six, but you at least know, and that's a little bit more of an advanced technique. So that's where I come in for you. So <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> I'm still, I'm taking new clients. Um, so I will, I'm going to adjust that for you. Um, Cause we need to know those things. So again, it is, perceived because heavy is relative to you and heavy is relative to you every single day. Um, but again, we know I like to lift some heavy shit, so it's gotta be heavy and it's gotta be difficult. That, that right there might be the biggest, that is definitely the biggest difference you've done in, in these, but that might be like the very, I think the biggest difference and that's where it comes. And that's where we say, you know, we go back to on our Q and A show when we talked about, uh, uh, trainers and how they sort of line up with your goal, with your goals and your style and your personality. Laura's not wrong that she that she that she puts the RPE scale at a four at a four, and I'm not wrong that I put it at a one and a half. Um, it it is sort of something that, like I said, it, it it's not. First of all, like we said, there really is no way to truly truly measure it. Secondly, it is something that if it works for you. It's not going to hurt you. It's not like saying, "Oh, you should be rounding your back when you do a a, a deadlift or, or a bent over row." No, that's right. That's that's way Laura Shutter just just as I said it. That's wrong. <laughs> this, none of these things are right or wrong. Um, I think some are more clo closer to to right or wrong than others, but none are one hundred percent right. None are one hundred percent wrong. So take the thing that, that, that resonates with you because no matter what, no matter what it is, we are here to get healthier. And if something that, that I don't necessarily think is 100% that you need to do all the time or Laura doesn't need think it's 100% or it's something you need to do all the time, but it works for you, do it. Whatever it is that is going to get, as long as it doesn't hurt you, whatever it is that is going to get you closer to that goal, find a way to get it done, find a way to do it. That is all we have for this week. We are, join us next week when we are going to be talking about uh, some nutrition swaps you can make in a try this, not that. That's right. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that is ways to take your favorite foods and make them into a healthier version. So until next week, Laura, tell them what they can do. You can do hard things. Thank you for listening to the She Lifts, He Lifts podcast. Sustainable fitness for real life with Laura Ash and Coach Dave Webster. As always, we thank you for your support. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share the love by sending it to your friends and family and by leaving us a five-star rating. You can follow Laura on Instagram and TikTok at Laura Ash underscore CPT or Laura Ash Personal Trainer on Facebook. Follow Coach Dave at Rockstar Fitness on Facebook at DWebster023 on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at she lifts underscore he lifts and she lifts he lifts podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, this is she lifts he lifts.